Welcome to the Prime Leadership Podcast, where we keep you informed about the newest trends and discussions in the UK engineering and manufacturing sector. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Prime Workforce, dedicated to assisting leaders in engineering and manufacturing across the UK in recruiting the right talent for their leadership and management needs. Visit prime-workforce.co.uk. This week I'm joined by Alan Dilworth, who's a programme manager with Made Smarter UK. Alan, could you give the listeners an, an insight into your background and experience and, and a bit about Made Smarter? Yes, of course. Um, thank you very much for having me on. My my, my background is, is in engineering and manufacturing. I, I spent the first 20 odd years of my life in various companies in an operational role within various sectors like uh, defence, engineering, packaging, all these kind of things. So I learned an awful lot about packaging, about manufacturing, uh, and it's really close to my heart as a, as, a, as a subject. And about 10 years ago, I quite got very interested in economic development and helping sort of companies progress and, and learn new stuff and adopt new things. And this led me into the world of Made Smarter, which is a, a pilot program we're running in the northwest of England. And its intention is to help businesses in the manufacturing sector adopt these new technologies to improve their processes and productivity and and their competitiveness and therefore their ability to export and innovate. Excellent and I I know it's it's going to be interesting to a lot of the listeners being senior management and leadership which is which is why why we're talking about this Alan and the the topic we're going to cover today is is why do so many uh, small and medium-sized manufacturers struggle to adopt new technology which is the whole purpose of what you're doing. Could you give us an insight into that? Give us a intro into the topic then? Sure. The the Made Smarter pilot really is, is trying to break down some of the barriers that exist and some of the kind of themes that have emerged within the programme have been concern about you know where to start how do we do this it's a bit of a it's a bit of a plunge into darkness for some companies it can be disruptive but the rewards at the end of the, the that particular sort of time are are, are good and the, the productivity increases that we are beginning to see are, are substantial i think a second reason is that not companies are nervous about return on investment and there's also a, an aspect to this of, of sort of an underinvestment in in the uk generally in in innovation and a sort of a, perhaps a slight nervousness that's all kind of connected with this sort of you know how, how do I do this thing because I, I I don't understand the language it's it's full of young people in very unfashionable clothing to me I don't I don't know how to talk to them I don't know how to to really embrace this stuff so so please help so the purpose of our pilot really is to try and make those connections and and, and get folk to 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 see the bigger picture and the opportunities that this sort of stuff can that can bring. So it's more those those type of opportunities that often, as a business owner or a or a leader, you might actually shy away from because it's not your thing or it's not how the business has been run before. But actually, you do appreciate that there could be a value there. You just don't know how to go about it. Then it's a sort of opportunity to engage with someone like yourself with experience to kind of show them the light. And, uh, exactly so and i think you know i don't think you know you can't fault people for being nervous about disrupting a model of their business which is you know ticking along it's producing profits for them they're, they're sort of their shareholders are happy but you know 
in in other countries, innovation is 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 sort of perhaps ahead of where we are in the UK, and you know this this is potentially widening the gap still, and and for us to be competitive as a nation, especially now where probably drifting away from some of our closest neighbours in terms of economic links. We, we need to keep manufacturing in, in the UK competitive. And by improving productivity, that's one way of, of doing this. Clearly, there's, there's opportunities for new products and new designs and different ways of approaching your market. And if you kind of digitise a lot of your processes, there's so much waste that you can take out of your systems. And that all feeds back into the bottom line. And there's, there's a whole sort of circle of benefits there, really, that can be, can be gained. And Alan, what, what type of, uh, so, so just, um, just taking it back to the steps, what type of new technology could someone, you know, you, know, you touched on it, um, you know, look at it. So you can see trends, you know, that's one way. So spotting, spotting gaps and opportunity within the marketplace. But what other ways could technology be used, which you've been associated with or you've been involved in, in manufacturing? I think, you know, very recently within, you know, the current climate of, of, of COVID and, and lockdown and companies have been really working out how they can do business remotely. So there's a lot of tools that... Um, that the digital world has that, that facilitate this. Now, whether it's sensors on machines as a factory uh, quite close to us in Manchester that have, uh, the MD can literally look at his phone and see what all his machines are doing anywhere in the world. And it, there's quite a process industry, this particular uh, company. But that's, that's a clear example of just being that, that connectivity really being able to give you an absolute hands on view all the time anywhere. And I think we speak very general about manufacturing, but there's mm. some specific sectors within manufacturing that are far more, uh, ad, you know, uh, adopting more technology than others. You know, if you take the automotive industry, for example, most of it's robotics, most of this can be exactly as you said, where you can look at your phone, you can see a lot of data. You know, whilst you might have your, you know, family-owned business that's based in, you know, Northwest England that's been in the family for four generations and have got good, good cash in the bank, you know, the turnover of 10, 12 million a, a year. But what they don't have is any technology to take them forward in the next steps. You've got two different, you know, there. As we're touching on this, then what do you see as the barriers to adoption? So you've taken that sort of fa- small family-owned business that have got the money to do it, they just don't know where to go or, you know, they understand the benefits of it, but what what's often the barriers to adoption i, I think um the, the the clear the clear barrier that we, we the first thing we find when we when we go and talk to companies is that they have a almost a preconceived idea about you know the i want a robot sort of philosophy really and and when you start to talk to them about you know why they think a robot might be appropriate for their business you start to unearth a little bit about how their business is where their issues are and actually, yes, a robot might be a solution for them, but not immediately. Before before you do the robot thing, you have to do a lot of the more sort of basic architecture and infrastructure stuff around the data. Because most, I think it's fair to say that most manufacturing companies are very, very data rich. But yeah. data is only useful if you do something with it. So, all you know, I think we're probably a lot of us would be familiar with sort of clipboards on machines and people writing numbers in boxes every day and that data gets put in a cupboard and filed. The digital world is, is very similar. All these sensors on machines will be producing masses of information, which will probably go and sit on a hard disk somewhere and nobody ever analyzes it. So if you, if you're able to sort of 
step one, connect your business up together. So that kind of systems integration thing is a, is a very big theme and probably well over half of the work we're doing with businesses is on that almost step one on the ladder of, 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 of digitalization is this systems integration. So getting your machines to talk to each other, making sure they speak the same machine language because there's a you know, selection of those available too. And, you know, you can find robots in the corners of factories with dust sheets because somebody doesn't know what to do with them when they've done yeah. the first job. And I'm guessing, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people often think of this as well with regards to adopting new technology or artificial mm. intelligence or gathering data that it has to be a massive project. It has to be done all at one time, you know. But the reality is, you know, if you are in a factory, you could start it off in a small area and prove the concept by, I don't know, a couple of machines with an engineer. Absolutely. Well, prove mm-hmm. that concept, prove the return on investment on it. And then actually, once that's been there and you can see the, the results and the, and the, the worthwhile, then actually what you can do is then invest and actually spread out the business. And what you've actually got is then a full view of how your business is running. You can make the right decisions in terms of investment. Quick one, Alan, and just just what it's in my head. So you're touching on robots here. So I've had to use robots for a perfect example. How much involvement do you have in that? Do you, do you, are you dealing, do you project manage from start to finish, i.e. Uh, what the company needs, how they do it, the sourcing of the robot, and the relationship there, and actually the delivery piece. How much do you get involved in that? Our involvement, the kind of approach we take with, with a business, perhaps is the best way to, to answer that question. Once we have a, a sort of a, a contact, we'll go and talk to them about their business. We'll try to understand their problems and their issues, where they want to be. Um, look at their sort of their, their strategy. And as often as not, companies will have a have an idea they want to do digital, but it's not kind of embedded into their main their, their main strategy. There's no reason it should be separate. It's just a part of a of a strategy. So we'll, we'll look and we'll work with them to develop a, a roadmap, for want of a better expression. And that roadmap, the first step may be do lean, do some lean stuff first in your factory because digitizing waste is not an efficient use of of, of the technology. So make sure all your your, your data flows are, are there next, and then start to think. Okay, well, let's say I pull I'll put an additive machine in here because I can make I can make jigs. With the additive machine that will will you know help my process relatively low cost compared to having jigs machine but somewhere you know, somewhere else and you know especially if they're sort of low low use things and then from that then okay maybe the next step is some some more auto process automation or you know there's 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 a journey that companies and and that journey will depend very much on what the company is doing i mean we've, we're working with a company in in lancashire that they a very traditional company they do uh, sort of building products and you know they they have a very labor intensive hand sculpted mold thing with surveys being carried out by you know folks with binoculars and things like that looking at buildings and we've introduced them the concept of um you know the journey they can go along first of all let's think about not hand carving molds let's think about you know 3D printing them because it's kind of a lot quicker. And 3D printing is not massively quick. It's not a mass production technique. Let's, let's no. be honest. But we can digitize these, the, the mold printing. And then we're sort of saying, okay, well, when, when you back products in the oven, how do you know when they're, they're, when they're actually cooked? So we'll put sensors in your clay. Why don't we? So you can actually see the temperature in the middle of it and know when it's ready. Instead of having some bloke on a windy, wet hill with a pair of binoculars, why not send a drone up with a camera on it? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, all these little things and they, and all of that integrated in together is just a wonderful use of this technology for relatively little money, to be honest. So, and, and the, the, the improvement they can make is, is phenomenal. You know, the, the scope, they're very excited about this. And we have a, actually have a, a student in there at the moment doing some work with them to sort of help them understand how this technology can be applied in their business. I, th- I think that's the thing. You know, it's not one one size a shoe fits all as well. Mm. You know, it, it's very much moulded on that business. So that business owner, if you go back to that business owner, he's got the family business and, and he's, he's wanting to grow it so that actually his daughter, his or her daughter or son then takes over from the business in future and wants to build up that next level of legacy. It doesn't mm. mean, uh, you know, this is a matter of looking at what they do good existingly. Existent, sorry, existently. Um, and, uh, and, and, and actually, you know, automating that process, you know, making that more efficient, making the information more clearer in terms of what is actually good. You think that's good, but is it really good? Is it working well for the business? Mm. No, this is highlighted straight away. You can tackle that and, uh, and, and, and you can make the changes needed. You know, and then that capacity that might come out of that in terms of could be used for something that's that making you money or making you good business or whatever it might be. So, so I think it's just about you know I, I think you, the, you hit the nail on the head for me personally when you says at the end of the day most manufacturing companies have a wealth of data. They've got yeah. a, a, a loads of data, and that's true. And I've been in places where they've got maintenance schedules on bits of paper. And it's books upon books upon books. Right? That's great. Right? And, and, however, if all that information was computerized, which is the exact same, it's just rather than storing it paper-based, it's storing it digitally, digitally, and it can be protected so that actually if anything will happen with that, it's got it covered elsewhere. That can all be done. But the reality is what you can then do is a computer's far more smarter than an individual in terms of pulling all that together and putting it into an easy-to-use format where if you're a business leader, you can actually see it. If you're going on holiday and you really want to know what the uptime is at your machine or the downtime or whatever it might be, you can see that uh, and you can see the output of how many cakes you've just produced in the last hour. You can see all that. So actually, it gives you a wee bit of reassurance that everything's ticking away in the background. Absolutely. I think most sort of manufacturing companies will have some measure of their productivity maybe it's you know overall machine efficiency measurements or on timing full for orders there's there's umpteen sort of measures you can use but you know as, as you absolutely correctly say the you know the intelligently analyzing the data you can get from from a few sensors on a machine can give you you know information on on ppm preventative maintenance yeah. scheduling downtimes overall efficiencies volumes all kinds of stuff and and it's and it's just there for you, and and it can you can put little tallies around the factory with displays on their little dashboards. So, yeah, they, you can have it on a on a on an iPad wandering around as well. Other portable devices are available. Um, I think that's valuable. I think that's valuable because coming out of the back of everything that's going on in the world, right? There's going to be some changes. Maybe not as quick in manufacturing because manufacturing is manufacturing. You need yeah. you, you need people on site. You need to be making products. I will be set rules that could be probably worked remotely you know for example do you really need to go and visit tesco every week or every second week in terms of that why not just do a video call you know and that'll become more prominent uh, going going forward but the, you know the reality actually having all that at your fingertips as well 
um, comes back to actually if you've got that data, you can make the decisions quicker, faster, better. You know? and, and and informed decisions rather than perhaps gut feel decisions on many occasions as well. Yeah, yeah absolute black and white, and it's giving you that information. You know, yeah. and it's about coming back to the point I was actually getting to was you were mentioning about the data being on iPads and on screens, whatever. But that allows the workforce to be connected as well because the workforce can see exactly what's going on, what the goal is. You know, if they're looking to produce five thousand cakes, you know, today. You know, how, I know I know this is, is pretty common in terms of having that sort of basic view, but, you know, you can go right into detail. And if people have got that in their fingertips, if a production manager has got that in their fingertips, then actually what they can do is far more productive team meetings in the morning or during the day where, that, where that's going to increase productivity. It's going to drive staff engagement. Um, but what, what we've kind of talked about, Alan, sorry for rambling on here, but what, what we've kind of talked about that sort of... Once I'm away, I'm away. Um, <laughs> uh, what we've talked about in the last sort of five minutes is the fact of having data that's already in our business and, and it allows you to kind of improve the processes. But also, you did touch on it at the start, there is ways to use technology to spot new opportunities commercially. You know, spot, spot gaps, spot trends, be able to increase your market share wherever you want it to be, but you're able to do it faster, better, more, with a better um, judgment. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Informed decision making is absolutely so. You know, we're, we're, some of the clients we work with are, are very niche manufacturing businesses, and we're not we're not talking about. Yes, we do some work with food factories. We do some work with with you know what people would call metal bashing factories, and that's the work we've done in those sort of places was really around connecting up their machines which allows them to do sort of better scheduling of work because they, they know where you can you can do sit, run simulations within your factory to see where you know the impact of putting this job on this machine here would be down the line for your your, your best customer's order which clearly you want to have as a priority right. but we also do stuff with some really left field companies actually, that are actually, working with enzymes and things sorry for jumping there Alan, because i wonder yeah, yeah. you know what i'm like i'll end up getting off track again but <laughs> you touched on actually having data do you want to know what? I think that's valuable as well because it's not all about spotting trends. It's not all about knowing what's going on in your business. But what you're actually going to have is data that you could show a customer. Mm. And you can actually show your customer our uptime is X, Y, and Z. Our productivity is X, Y, and Z. This is our available capacity where we can handle another £5 million of business. We can mm. handle that. So actually what you're able to do is actually use that as a tool to drive that customer relationship as well. Very much so, and a lot of the, the kind of large companies will have systems in their, in their, in place where customers can actually interrogate the the factory's own production system. They'll have limited access. They'll be able to see stocks. They'll be able to see, you know, a, an amount of the schedule. Not all of it, clearly, because it's commercially sensitive. But yeah, it depends on your level of sophistication, and also you need to bear in mind once you've got an, an open point of access. You've got to be thinking about cybersecurity as well, and that that's a that's a very big issue. The average cost of cybercrime is about two hundred k per per event with a business, which is about ten times what the cost of a good solution is. So, you know, it's well worth looking at this as a serious thing when you get into this technology, and and it's something that we try to talk to all our clients about as well. Yeah, and I think I think that that's very very relevant in terms of. I mean, I've seen a couple of things today about. I think it was the construction companies that are building the hospitals. Been two cyber attacks on them. 
in terms of uh, that's terrible, you know. But it's but it just shows you, you know, anything. And there's, there's there's no no hold barn there in terms of that. And I think it's just about if you've got the right systems, you've got the right person who's guiding you doing that, they'll be able to make sure you're as protected mm. as possible. And also, you know, you can look at your insurance. I know I've got it for my business because my business is all automated and it's all on the, you know, virtual, you know, it's all on the cloud, everything that mm. I, I, I do. Um, and and through your insurance, you can get cyber security protection as well. I'm sure it's covered on that. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know... We saw we not talk much about visualization, I think, which is, you know, this, this virtual world. And we've done a fair amount of work with virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality. There's all these sort of components that can be used. And, and they're more so nowadays in the situation where, you know, people aren't going to be able to get back to work as normal for some time. And, and the, the, you know, the VR sets can help with, with training, can help with design. You can use them easily across you know, across the net, the, the internet, the systems where, for example, say you've got a breakdown in your factory and you've got your, your headset on, and you know, a little, um, you know, iPad, for want of a better word, in your hand. And you can talk to somebody in America and he can, he can actually draw on your iPad, which will appear on your visor. So you can actually see, you say, right, that screw over there, just loosen that thread off a bit, close that valve down, do this. Now switch it on again and see if it's working. Absolutely amazing stuff, and and again, not expensive. It's it's you know the the, the technology is expensive. Some of it is if you want to buy a big robot. Yeah, that's hundreds of thousands of quid. But for a few sensors and and whatever on on a machine, it's you know thousand two thousand quid. Very 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 affordable. Yeah, and, and, and considering time and cost of you know, and, and and I think a lot of that stuff. I mean, just just sideways tracking a little bit here because I think this is something that just popped into my head you know a lot of people think technology robots artificial intelligence whatever it might be industry 4.0 it's all going to be about losing jobs and losing people and it's all going to be the factory's going to be run by 10 people you know and I think you want to work it's just wouldn't be far from that really in terms of that but at the end of the day there's always a need for skill sets and those skill sets rather than that person being the person that puts greaseproof paper in mm. a cake tray to make it. You know, that person's role could be re- replaced by some sort of robot. But the reality is that person can then be upskilled to do something else upon the factory. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what has been really interesting is that we found with doing these projects with businesses that in very, very rare occasions that we say, well, actually, this might put a couple of people out of work. The vast, vast majority of our clients are saying, actually, if we do this, we're going to up our production. We're going to need more people, not less. Yeah. And the ones that, that have their jobs, you know, that are being replaced by, by, by digital technology, they're doing other things which are perhaps more interesting, more stimulating than sitting there moving bits of paper around, as you were just saying, on, on a, in a baking tray. Exactly. Um, no, good. And, and you know, Alan, t- t- so, so one of the big things is, you know, all this sounds great, right? And and everybody, everybody who's MD would be interested in this in some shape or form because what it is, it's natural development of their business. But as we both know, and as, as we all know who's listening, you know, this all comes down to cost. I think a lot of people don't, you know, I think more importantly, it's probably more 
what's the return on investment on these things. And, and could you give us a wee bit of an insight into that? Alan? No cost as an thing, because that will vary depending on the business, the project, what they want to do. But what's the sort of typical return on investment? Typically, we're seeing companies, you know, sub one year, eight months, six months, depending on exactly what the project is and where the impact is in the factory. So it's it's a very, very quick return. And I mean, talking sort of averages here. So as you say, each, each company is very individual and they're, they're different. The average project we're seeing is about 80K. And the, the way our program is structured is that we can give 20K grant support towards this. Yeah. So that, that really helps de-risking it financially for the business. And, you know, it, it's, 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 it's just really encouraging to see, way that, to see the way that people are actually despite all the the kind of noises off and risks and everything, they're still embracing this and trying it. And, you know, once we're able to really show them the opportunity, then, you know, they, they are really, you know, going for it and, and taking that plunge and, and, you know, being willing to be helped. And I think that's the really encouraging bit for me that, you know, the but the, 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 the UK, we, we're, we're good at invention, we're good at creativity, but sometimes you need a little bit of a spark to commercialise it in, in a way that perhaps hasn't happened so well in the past. Yeah, and I think that is, as you said, I think that's just UK in general, you know, in any type of sector, you know, everybody's got great ideas and great vision, but it's the mm. execution that often fails, yes. you know, and it's the execution that's often looked back on and regretted, you know, that they didn't do it or, oh, they had that idea. Yeah, you know it's always the same, right? It doesn't matter. It's the same within recruitment. Trust me, I've had people's <laughs> been recruited in the last two days, and I've ever had in my life because of everything that's going on. It's been really interesting because it, everybody has always had these great ideas, and they just don't fall through because I've always mm. been automation and driven process. Anyway. Okay, Alan. So if I'm a senior leader, manager, and I'm thinking, do you want to know what? I quite enjoyed that. I quite enjoy listening to that. I'm Probably, I'm I'm open minded to having a chat to see if there's any legs in it and stuff like that. How would people get in touch with you? I think that the, the simplest way for anybody is just to visit the Made Smarter website. As I said at the start, the Made Smarter pilot is in the northwest of England. Yeah. However, there is a plan to roll this out, and that will be coming hopefully very soon. So. What we're doing is we are sort of collecting information, obviously for people that we are able to work with, but also for people that the program will be able to work with in the future. So if you're not in the northwest of England, please get in touch anyway. Yeah. Let us know your details. It, it, you know, if nothing else, you can pick up our newsletters. You can look at, there's a lot of information on our website. There's some loads of case studies. We're adding to this all the time. We're trying to keep them varied so they're not the same thing over again. So there's a lot of a lot of knowledge on there that you can can look at, and we'll be expanding the knowledge bank as we go. Yeah, so come come and visit us, please, and express your interest, and we will get in touch, or we'll put we'll make sure you're in touch with somebody in your area that you know will be able to give you some knowledge and advice about when it might be coming to you. Yeah, and I, th- I think the initiative is fantastic. You know, I've had you know a bit of interaction with yourself and a couple of the colleagues within me mm-hmm. over the last. A couple of weeks and 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 uh, run up to this show, and from everything I've seen, very professional. I think it's a no-brainer in terms of you guys are doing this day in day out, you know, and it's and, and engaging with somebody like yourself just for a bit of bit of soundboard. The idea might grow arms and legs, but the reality is, you know, if if a company was looking to do this themselves, often it takes a lot longer. 
the fact mm. that they touched on grant sort grant opportunities, just the knowledge of just that basically is, is, is worth its weight in gold as well as off the back is the knowledge of yourself where you're able to be a sound benchmark, give the right advice, make sure that the teething problems are looked after and make sure that whatever's implemented into a business or a factory is effective and is tailored to that specific business. And that business owner looks at it at the end of that end of that process and think that was mm. that was great and I've got some good results out of the back of that and going forward my business is in good shape for growth. I think so. I mean it's 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 a really rewarding programme to be part of. I mean, not only because it's my main passion is manufacturing, which is, you know, added bonus really, but the fact that we can support companies financially, we can also fund the student placements with them. We we have a, a subsidized leadership management course which is not sort of leadership management it's how to lead companies in in technology implementation so you know it's a very sort of niche thing that's focused on you know how do you do this you know and and part of our sort of digital roadmap process we go through we can say to you okay you really perhaps want to send joe on this course because he he really benefit from having this knowledge or perhaps ask the local university to provide some students which we will pay for yeah, uh, come and work in, in in your business and help you, and if nothing else, demystify all this 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 weird language that you'll hear. Yeah, and at, at the end of the day, the whole purpose is we've got a solid, stable business. This is an opportunity to embrace technology as it is. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's maxim. It's it's allowing you to collate the information you've already got or the processes you already do to be more productive, more effective which is in turn allowing you to grow your business. And more importantly, you know, that's going to add value to the economy in terms of uh, recruitment. You know, headcount would go up as your business grows. You know, so a lot of positives for that. But at the end of the day, let's be honest, Alan, not everybody will do this. You know, I And and if you look at it historically, you know, those companies probably more prominent as of the last couple of months, those companies are going to get left behind. You know, and I've been banging a drum for five years in terms of ever since I read a book. I can't remember what it's called. I've got it somewhere. Robot somewhere. Hold on, let's see. It could be, a, <laughs> it could be an absolute nugget. Where is it? Too many books now. Anyway, we're rambling. Alan, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. I appreciate it. And just finishing up, Alan, what's the Made Smarter website? What's the address? It's www.madesmarter.org. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers, Alan. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Prime Leadership Podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you would leave us a rating and a review on Spotify and Amazon Music. Subscribe whilst you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.